Hey everybody, and welcome back to Some Like It Pop, a bi-weekly look at the latest happenings in pop culture. And oh, what a happening it's been <laughs> in the past week. Uh, this is Bradley Stern, Editor-in-Chief of Pop Crush. I'm Samantha Vincenti, Managing Editor of Pop Crush. I'm Ali Zubiak, Associate Editor of Pop Crush. I'm Matt Donnelly, a senior writer at Pop Crush. And today we're joined, finally, by the last remaining editor who has not been regularly on this <laughs> podcast. Erica Russell. Hey, excellent. Excellent. Yay. We're all here to uh, share our feelings and emotions about the U.S. presidential election. I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. You might not have heard, uh, but... Um, so... I think maybe the best way to kick this off is to talk about um, pop star responses to this, because I think one of the first things I saw was Lady Gaga standing on a sanitation truck uh, holding a Love Trump's Hate sign. Um, what notable pop star protests have we seen? I was saying yesterday, and she's certainly a controversial one, but anytime I see someone like sort of putting their money where their mouth is, and when it comes to politics, I appreciate that. So in spite of lena dunham sort of like back and forth and whether that strange pantsuit rap video she made was helpful or potentially detrimental it to wasn't Hillary it wasn't Clinton. helpful right. i'll say helpful. it i never thought it was yeah. and i didn't think it then either i think um, the records the slack records will show right i did yeah. not support right. that effort but i do think that um the campaigning she's done and um the essay she wrote was really nice and i think calling um paul ryan and telling and sharing her negative views on things and urging other people to do the same and call their you know congressional leaders i think that's all very helpful and constructive it is <laughs> it is it is I, yeah. it is as much as any american citizens is i'm right. not sure. quite sure i have to be honest and i do appreciate not just the efforts that certain celebrities are making but even just as simple as ex expressing and i was just uh talking to ali about seeing Pretty Little Liar actor yes. Keegan, Keegan Allen, Allen talking about it and saying that he resolved to support the causes and do the work that he felt needed to be done over the next four years. And then when a follower tweeted a meme of Frozen, let it go with his face over the different characters, then he was like, I'm never going to let it go. And I think that refusal to keep talking about and keep supporting things that they care about is great, like anyone else. That said... I think this election, everyone and everything peace and every person on Facebook is saying that the results of the election spoke to a chasm between two parts of America that you could loosely divide up into city and country. And what I think that we definitely kind of already knew even before the election as editors, or I certainly did, from reading the comments of our readers, and a lot of our readers are, I don't want to use the the term middle America because that sounds pejorative I think or I'm hesitant to use it because people hear it as pejorative but I think people that we're not friends with in New York I'll say don't really care what celebrities think about politics largely I think that was definitely proven uh, I think they think they're outsiders and yeah. elitists and it doesn't help I'm yeah. not sure it helped I don't yeah, know that she could have gotten any more celebrities in fact uh, between Beyonce, Jay-Z, Katie, Gaga literally all of them and yet obviously the outcome still is the same yeah. Um, I also think a lot of the fan groups of the celebrities that were really campaigning for Hillary are not going to vote for her anyway. Yeah. You know? True. So I think also at this point, it's so critical to go, uh, of course, helps. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> of course, like calls to action on Twitter and Facebook are helpful to a certain extent. But I think this election proved that, you know, social media, if that's your exclusive means to sort of reach your audience, it's not going to do any good because as we saw you know, your social media environment is sort of just your own opinion a lot of the times reflected back to you. And that was seen a lot of the time that there was this, you know, the alt-right movement was sort of this dormant, you know, community online. And they were never going to be persuaded by, you know, the sort of more liberal ideals that they probably never even saw on the Internet. So I think that's why this year it's so important and so critical for people in the public eye to go beyond social media and, you know, really get out there and maybe stand on a sanitation truck, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the, the big takeaway from this for a lot of people is that we've all cultivated safe spaces or bubbles around us on social media. And so every tweet that you see is, you know, your particular leaning. And for a lot of people, obviously, that was Hillary. And to 
to be so gobsmacked and wrong because you just presumed from seeing all these things on social that everything was going your way is just proof that that it truly is this very superficial very limited view of the country as a whole and a lot of people are not on they're not tweeting they're not you know they're they're not on your feed and if they are a lot of people said in the months leading up to this which as much as i almost did every time you know unfollow me if you're supporting Mm -hmm. him and what we've done is created this divide where you've filtered them out of your feed and now you really don't get a glimpse of all these people who are probably voting for him quietly and they're just not making as much noise and so I think that's been probably the biggest takeaway is like social is not reality mm-hmm. at oh, all. Oh yeah, Mm-mm. definitely. No. Um, so that's been very jarring. Um, how has everyone been dealing with uh, in the weeks of the aftermath or the days of the aftermath? Feels like Isn't weeks it, already. Like, it feels it like really months. Does. It does. Yeah. I can't believe it was a week. Not it, even a week ago. It wasn't even a week ago. Yeah. How? What are what are our coping me- mechanisms? Because for me, I'm finding it really difficult to if you say going to the gym i'm gonna kill you i've just been gymming um (laughs) finding it really difficult to sign on anymore because and it's not even because of my you know discontent with what happened and everything it's just like you can't go on without some troubling news item coming out or somebody's protest facebook speech which they're all very good all of the statuses are really good and impassioned but it's it's like affecting my brain i can't Mm -hmm. even like I, I feel bad physically going online. So wondered if anyone had any good escapes that they've been um, doing. Honestly, no, because <laughs> the problem for us, and not to be all woe is me uh-huh. about this job, but right. we can't avoid it the Very way true. some people can. If you Very work true. in, I don't, I don't know what people do. Like if you're a lawyer <laughs> or a graphic or, designer, yeah, there are tons Doctor. of other jobs where you can. I wouldn't say you zone out completely, but we are faced with everything i mean i have written a trump related story at least one every day since the election absolutely barring the weekend mm-hmm. um and yeah it's true even if i'm just going on to facebook i can't go on to facebook anymore no. i just can't unless it's something work related i refuse to go on the internet like this weekend i was like nope can't do it because it, it drives you crazy after a while it does. I think that is your coping mechanism is when you have the time, get off Facebook. And I think that's super important. It is. Re- but it's also hard because everyone I know only wants to talk about the election. True. Like right. my mom will only talk about the election, which I completely understand. But I also just kind of don't want to deal with it, even though well, I Well, I mean, and also choice. in your defense, because what you just said, we do deal with it. 40 to 60 hours a week. Right. And I wasn't very surprised by these election results. I spent the entire cycle telling people on Facebook and Twitter and to their faces that I was concerned this was going to happen because of our job and because we are mm-hmm. slightly more attuned to the other half of America than a lot of our insular New York City friends are because we have to read the comment section. Mm-hmm. And I know that the, you know, the most vocally racist and vocally, you know, pointedly ist everything ist those are the loudest people but i mean yeah it's like you really do have to shut that out if you work in media because you are forced to be on facebook and forced to be on twitter for your job Mm -hmm. one thing i thought about is everyone kept jokingly saying at one point that that trump kind of represented the comments section but Mm -hmm. that almost told you what was going to happen during the election because that is the masses like if all of the comments are in that way or similar you know everyone's joking he was the internet troll who won but Mm -hmm. like that is the voice of the internet, kind of. So it's almost not shocking. I mean, it's not shocking to me that it happened in the end, but it was. We kind of wrote it off as like, "Uh, he's an egg on Twitter," <laughs> but like that is more or less becoming the majority. But you didn't get the popular vote. But you didn't get the popular vote. I think sort of understanding your anger and putting it in the correct context is the best thing you can do because I think if you focus too much on how angry you are that's obviously going to be your undoing but if you sort of try to ignore it then it'll eat you alive and that's sort of been my thing to do every day is sort of like wake up not even not like an affirmation it probably sounds like that but just to like identify what you're angry about spell it out in clear terms even if it's just clear terms to yourself and just say like here's what I'm going to try to do to pragmatically address this mm-hmm. moving forward whether that's you know, to volunteer for an organization that you care about, donate to something, just have an honest conversation with someone you might not typically have an honest conversation with. And that's just sort of what I've been trying to do for better or worse. That is the hardest one. Yeah. And today I just found out via Matt, via an article, that 
a in my very liberal Brooklyn neighborhood, a woman was just punched in the face last weekend for talking poorly about Trump. And this is in a very, very liberal insular place prior to the election. Another reason I wasn't surprised was because when I was visiting Portland in October, I was also accosted by a racist Trump supporter who shouted, bring back Sharia law in the face of my Indian American friend, who isn't Muslim, by the way. Right. But and then just screamed faggot over and over again at my boyfriend. And right. I literally was trying to parse out the logic yeah. of this man with the, in the Make America Great hat. And it didn't work. There is no logic. That's no. Why. Right. So. That part is challenging and yeah. both in a, in a, and yeah, I agree. Like it's important to talk to people to their face, but sometimes you just really hit a wall and that's what totally. I'm trying to navigate right now. And I agree that like it gets to a point that stating your own anger to yourself is important because it gets to the point where I like lose my verbal skills. I'm so frustrated. Yeah. Very true. I think one encouraging thing though, is that in spite of all of, you know, looking at the statistics and the breakdown and the aftermath and all of the very discouraging elements, one encouraging one was that young people seem to overwhelmingly be leaning more toward, I don't even want to say liberalism, but just like towards caring <laughs> about people, yeah, decency and, and humanity and things of that nature. And I think that was one thing that felt, like I said, very encouraging to see. The only problem with that for me is that I've noticed as people age, they tend to get more conservative. Yeah, so I true. wonder how long that'll actually last. I'm feeling very pessimistic about the world as as the oldest person are. here, <laughs> <laughs> as the resident old, <laughs> Samantha resident old. I will say I do agree that people get a little more conservative. I would say that applies more to fiscal conservatism because mm. some people get a little bit of money and then they're like taxes. This is an outrage, which is the only form of conservatism I can remotely wrap my sure. brain around yeah. is not what because I don't have that much money but if, you know I guess I'd be mad too if someone was trying to take half of it even though I would do it but yeah that's I it's just the world is so different than it was when the young people became more conservative before I just feel like there's yeah. no precedent for this mm -hmm. so I don't know there might not be a precedent for that I mean either. I hope there's no precedent for happen. any of this I mean I don't think that there has been since perhaps the dawn of American media where by the way every newspaper because that's the other thing that objectivity is something we're all told to do and obviously you need to be factually accurate but when newspapers first started in America they all had a rampant point of view that was a they all had conflicting strong points of view and agendas like that's not new that's as old as newspapers and media but I just feel like yeah, there's no precedent. We don't now we're living in a place where there's news sites that now there's spreadsheets I'm seeing being circulated of newspapers and news sites to avoid because they yeah. literally yep. manufacture false information. And I've seen them and I've seen them bubble to the top of the Facebook trending algorithm. Yep. The top search result if you search election results is a just incorrect number that has Trump with more popular votes in Clinton, which is just incorrect. <laughs> Literally so false. dangerous. Yeah. There's this uprising and surge of hoax sites and it's terrifying. Well, going back to what Sam just said, um, I wanted to say something that I've been really struggling with has been knowing where to draw the line of protecting my mental health during this time and just not making myself sick over and over over this and keeping myself informed because, I mean, it's very difficult to kind of every day wade through all of the news and the information that is constantly being you know regenerated on our feeds and at the same time trying to just like get some sort of semblance of stepping away from it just to breathe a little bit for instance I really struggle with um you know it, it's hard for me even just to watch that man talk so with the 60 minutes interview I really, I haven't watched it yet. I really don't want to watch it. It's hard to bring myself to watch it. At the same time, I feel like I've I have a responsibility to keep myself informed and know what he's saying and if he's spewing lies or if there's something that's important in there that I should hear as a, as a citizen. So I think that's been kind of the thing I'm struggling with is just knowing, or not knowing, but rather negotiating where do I draw the line between okay I really need to look at this so I know what's going on and I can't look at this because it's gonna make me just you know jump out of what went out of a window so that's something I'm struggling with 
And it's crazy the idea that to inform yourself with this party, you almost have to like willfully ignore facts. And that's the part that I'm also struggling with. It's like you want to understand a certain part of the electorate, but learning is almost like unlearning in in this sense. It's like you have to let go of things you know. And it's like, what? But what good am I doing myself to? (laughs) I don't don't know what even what I'm trying to say. It's driving me crazy. You're not going to win with facts either. I saw a good, and when this podcast goes up. I'm going to try to include a few resources that I saw online, but I remember one that was like kind of like guidelines for rhetoric engaging family members in the holidays. And one thing was that in the rhetoric model, facts won't work. You can state all of these facts about refugees or immigrants or whatnot, and it won't, it's not going to sway someone who's already decided. They read one thing that maybe or maybe wasn't right, wasn't correct factually, or they decided something and that's not going to change their mind. Yeah. So I've, you need to find yeah. like other paths. Yeah, I've 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 hit that wall because because now you're presented with I've had arguments with people in my life where I say you know things like unemployment's gone down and they've said the numbers are skewed because the government is skewing those facts and at that point that scares me a lot because you can no longer have this discussion with someone if they're unwilling to. Um, say that the source material is legitimate or not and then that really scares me because it's like okay what are we going to have this discussion about like if you feel that those numbers are cooked and I think that they're legitimate we can't even have a a debate because that's the thing that they keep coming back to is like the facts that you're being given are fake about climate change about you know the economy and you're like well we can't even have a modern like a normal discussion about this anymore because we can't agree on data which is I, I don't know that this has ever happened, or at least to such a degree. I don't think it has. And I mean, and I I voted in both. That's the other thing. You know, people say that you're a crybaby because your side lost and you're just sad. I mm-hmm. voted in both Bush elections and was on the losing side of both. Yeah. And it was scary. And then, you know, especially in the first term, 9-11 happened and it was a terrifying time. And that entire time was also polarizing with some people I knew, but it was not the same unprecedented terror for one thing i mean george bush grew up in a political family and had some sort of vague grasp on what the duties of a president mm-hmm. is which totally we can't say trump for the doesn't elect. No. Yeah. right absolutely and i think that's what scares us a lot is that there is no experience there whatsoever and yeah. it's not you know that waking feeling every morning when you're like what will he do because literally he has never been in any sort of position like this didn't know he had to staff the west wing didn't know he right. had to staff the west wing like every day we find out a new thing that he's admitted like oh i didn't know that that was part yeah. of my duties now he's you know debating whether or not he needs to be there full time cuz he'd <sighs> rather be in trump tower and it's just i mean it's and he's wild. aware of it i don't know if it's well never mind i'm not going to propagate things i don't know about <laughs> as we just mentioned <laughs> yeah, right right so. Cut that one short. But like when I've gotten <laughs> to the place where I'm favorably comparing George W. Bush. Oh, yeah. That's, again, unprecedented. Uh, yeah, like Jed Bush seems like a dream right now. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? Well, because I feel like I've also said I think one of the major differences of the debates were, it, again, going back to facts and everything. But in 08 and 12, like we, we debated tax structure and, you know, immigration policy short. But these debates were only about scandals. Mm-hmm. There were like mm-hmm. two minutes of her actually laying out a plan and him just not having a plan. And and that's it, because then you'd go right back to attacking each other about scandal, and it was purely sensational. And I think that was also very different for the first time. It was, it was not about what the presidential debates should be about. I mean, granted, every time there's a debate, there's a scandal of some kind. But that really dominated this election, and you you were kind of just basing it on hearsay a lot of time and and these reports from websites that may or may not be credible, which I think is new to this year. I don't think that was a thing in 2012 even. Like, Facebook wasn't at that point yet where there were bogus websites. No. Um, Or at least not, like, proliferated the same way. No. And so one of the major fingers being pointed this year is at Facebook directly um, for them not taking more responsibility for shielding the general public from very clearly bogus websites, <laughs> which is something I struggle with as far as their responsibility. Like I inherently get it that they shouldn't have allowed those to float to the top, but they're also like a free service that like we willingly plug into. And is it really their job? 
it might be that Facebook is now defined as like a public I mean, service to the point where they should. But. Yeah, that's the thing. And with any product, and I think this really especially applies to the tech realm, with any product, the intention of the product, and it also applies to pills and pharmaceuticals, mm. the intention of a product becomes moot when it, you start to realize how the users are using it. And then there becomes a point where the user's use defines the purpose of the product. Facebook doesn't want to identify itself as a media company. Zuckerberg refuses to say that they're a media company, mm -hmm. wants to, in my opinion, hide behind this yeah. that we're a free service, that we're a tech service, they're more interested in commerce whatnot but the fact of the matter is 40 percent. and no i cannot cite where i found this <laughs> speaking of dubious news but i've read it many times guys 40 percent of american adults get their news from facebook now that's dangerous i mean yeah. and i know facebook obviously you can lead a horse to water and facebook is not forcing lazy americans to just look at their feed as their only thing mm -hmm. but that's where we are and this yeah. is another encouraging thing actually that i saw in light of all this horror is that immediately after um, Trump's sort of denouncing of the New York Times subscriptions went way up, there have been local paper subscriptions have gone up. And I don't know if that's any indicator that that's, you know, overwhelmingly the whole population, you know, investing in local news or just maybe, you know, the side that is angry that it lost. But either way, it's nice to see. And that, you know, my friends from journalism school are excited about their career prospects when they sort of seem like in the toilet lately. That is nice. <laughs> I did not know that. There's one good thing to come out of all yeah. this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'll say one of the things that has like really frustrated me about this entire process has been just kind of seeing these huge gaps in media literacy and information literacy because that that's so dangerous to me that people in my life that I'm close with get their news from memes. I mean, yep. that's just frightening. and Or even just reading a headline and that's your news. You're not getting any context. You're not checking sources. So, I don't know. I feel like, um, I mean, there's not many silver linings, but in the future, something that I'd be interested in people kind of um, working harder towards is having media literacy really brought into, you know, kindergarten through high school education because this is our world now right we're getting all of this information minute by minute screens right in front of us in our pockets so if people aren't learning how to negotiate that that really scares me big time i do think people have a, a general lack of critical thinking skills and that education is partially to blame for totally. that i feel yeah. lucky that in high school in like my public high school, for some reason, a lot of the teachers skewed lefty and we had an anti-propaganda class and I still apply rules that I learned then to now. There's actually, there's a headline floating around Facebook yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I think it was the New Yorker. I'm not sure though. And it said, this loophole, this little known loophole could make Bernie Sanders president. So, so you click on it because you're like, this is outrageous. <laughs> and it immediately says, no, that's not true. <laughs> but... But you clicked on it or like you believed it. A lot of people will comment on your status saying you believed it. Here are all of it, then it went into a lot of detail about how to be better at media and how to understand media and that you shouldn't just listen to the headline. You should look at the source. I mean, it was actually a very helpful article about media literacy. And and inevitably, I saw that shared quite a few times. And a lot of the comments were like, yeah, like, or like, no, it'll never oh win. But they didn't click i mean it was like shocking proof that that even that little which we all know again as yes, people as editors right. like nobody we reads know below the proverbial fold right people only read the headline yeah and that's really scary and that's something that needs to be taught or understood is that you can't do that anymore because those those sites that are those hoaxes are purposely creating shocking and fake headlines to get you to click because you're creating ad revenue for, rev, revenue for them and they're just people in like foreign countries creating those websites mm -hmm. to like get ad sales. That's like crazy to think about, but they're actually manipulating our government just because they're like trying to make money for themselves. Yeah. And it will, yeah. it's in, it'll be interested to see, to follow how this affects clickbait in general, clickbait of all kinds. Yeah. We're all encouraged to write clicky, sticky headlines all the time. What right. happens next, you won't believe. 
Yeah, and the it's number like three will surprise you. Idea. Right, <laughs> and that had an that I mean, obviously, even the most casual consumer is now savvy enough that they're kind of inured to a lot of those upworthy type things anyway. Yes, yes. But I, I'm curious to see what the next thing is. I don't. I'm very, very cynical. Certainly at this point, especially, and I am a little skeptical that everyone will suddenly have a ravenous appetite for long reads. <laughs> yeah, and read Print the entire subscriptions. Yeah. Right, but. I hope so. I hope to be proven I do. wrong. Yeah. I would like to know how the polling process is going to change <laughs> in four years because every poll said otherwise and everyone was mad about the polls. I think, first of all, people turned to the polls and they were like, but the polls. Right. They were mad at themselves for swallowing the polls. Right. Whole. Right. I would. I, I don't know if that should just be I just be think like it's antiquated. It can't yeah. possibly keep up with the technology of today when people are, you know, can dodge whatever they want to dodge, commit totally. to, you know, weighing in on whatever they want to commit to weighing in on. And I just think it can't really. I mean, I yeah. think Nate Silver said it all pretty well. It's like, I, I sort of kept this one stipulation that said Trump could be president for this reason is because all of these other things could be debunked so, so easily. It's the, also the yeah. idea of just trusting people to admit who they're going to vote for. That's with, the big thing. Yeah, I mean, people will lie. I, I saw some report on somewhere, and I don't remember where because I've seen so much news at this point, and someone was saying that... Um, if if like a college educated sounding person calls someone and they're voting for Trump and they hear the person on the phone and they think oh they're going to judge me if I say I'm voting yep. for him then they'll say I'll vote for Hillary so you can't obviously can't base it on polls because no. No. look what they did to us and humans are a mystery and it's yeah. not anyone's business who anyone is voting for anyway so I, which I actually feel very strongly about so I don't know I just don't think I don't put stock the fact that my anecdotal evidence looking around and listening to humans or reading humans and talking to humans and then i was shouted down by people who were like but nate silver says i mm -hmm, mean mm -hmm. f that i yeah. hope that everyone learned a lesson from yeah that. it's it's kind of a lesson all around for, for totally. everyone um i also think that it's profoundly important to remember that when somebody's in a voting booth they're alone there's nobody judging them mm -hmm. and they could be loudly vocal for hillary and then just decide you know what maybe i I mean, it's there it's that that they make that decision, and that's why the polls are so antiquated at this point. Um, especially if you're being presented with them in person, like you're not going to. I I bet no Trump supporter would be like vocally, because they feel scapegoated and they feel like they're the victim. I mean, I mean that was the whole thing, like the the forgotten man and woman that mm -hmm. he he tweeted as soon as he won. Mm -hmm. These people feel that they are being, you know, underrepresented. <laughs> Yeah. Or the single issue voters who yeah. literally just were anti-choice and, you know, yeah. knew or, that. Or they were fiscal and, and they only voted on that. And I know that there were people... Which we could debate how yeah. educated that was. Trump's oh, yeah. been bankrupt many times. But. For sure. I don't think it does, it does us any favors to blanket call everyone racist to vote for him. I think that's only going to greaten the divide. Eh. I, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't call blanket call everyone racist. I would say everyone is complicit. Yes. complicit yeah. And I think I'm, I am troubled by the amount of white, all white people on my Facebook feed who are saying, okay, guys, calm down. Like, mm -hmm. let's all just like get over this because they're, the, it's often the people who aren't going to be effectively directed right. by any of this. And that's frustrating to hear yes i agree no one a no one self-identifies as a racist unless right, they're in the exactly. kkk like i just don't think <laughs> you get through to people if you're if you have any hope of getting through to people i i don't think starting with an insult will ever ever get you there and not mm -hmm. that i think we should be silent or stop protesting but i i just know that if you call someone dumb or if you call someone a racist there's no way in a hell you're going to even get them to consider your view so I don't know. But right now, I, I totally get being angry and totally just saying screw them all. Like, I totally felt that and feel that still. But I, I just know that, like, ultimately, not that there's any rational, like, way to talk to these people at a certain level, but I don't that's think That's the issue to me. I yeah. mean, people uh, don't want to be called racist because yeah. they think that that's the worst thing in the world is being called a racist instead of actually facing racism. Right. But I just can't be bothered to care about how they feel mm -hmm. because they screwed over the entire country by voting for Trump. Also, I personally don't know any Trump supporters. Like, I don't know a single one, so I don't know how I would deal with having 
family members who voted for him, so it's I very agree. different for me. Yeah, I agree. I lived a very insular life, yeah. Yeah. very insular blue state life, and then I went to Sarah Lawrence, and then I lived in San Francisco, <laughs> and then I lived in Park Slope, Brooklyn. My family is very lefty. I'm yeah. sure I have some you know, distant relatives in Pennsylvania who probably did vote mm-hmm. for Trump, but... Otherwise, I have very rarely, and I'm not proud of it at all, and it's gotten me nowhere today, but in this respect, but I mean, I have a really short fuse when it comes to talking to people from that viewpoint because I haven't really had to talk to people mm. or hear that opinion yeah. very often. Exactly. It's beyond diplomacy at this point. It's like you have to be saintly to be able to engage with that type of... And some people are. Some people are really patient yeah. and are really good at it. I'm working on it and mm. I know I should work on it yeah. because it's not helpful to tune it all out. And I know right. that and I'm waiting for the anger to pass so I can start doing, you know, I'm protesting, I'm donating, but I'd like to do something more concrete that I know begins with talking a lot of the time. I just need to wait for some of the anger to pass. Definitely agree. I, I think having, knowing quite a few Trump supporters from my background and in my Facebook feed and certain family, <laughs> that it's caused me, th- I think that's why my reaction is like, you can't just call him a racist because I've either tried <laughs> it or, or, or led the argument with that and I've seen where it's gone. But well, you're also a much more emotionally measured, at least outwardly, person than mm. I am. Inside, I'm a mess. That's what I know yeah. that I know. Yeah. But I just mean like <laughs> you, you present a much like more placid exterior yeah. that I think probably helps in those situations. Be our light, Bradley. Yeah. I, ultimately, I will guide the uh, the revolution <laughs> uh, against Trump. Um, but oh, I did want to add one more thing. I've shared this on social media a couple times, but it was just a really, really great read and it ties back to how you change hearts and minds and it's not through logic and it's a washington post who by the way washington post crushed it during the election one of the few media outlets i am not mad at still Mm. um and who obviously they also spread the tape the access hollywood tape Mm -hmm. from 2005 Um, but they wrote a long read called the white flight of Derek black it's on the washington post and it's about the son of a very popular white nationalist he's also the godson of david duke and he grew up, uh, even as a child, there, there were like news stories about him as like this child white nationalist who would be like, I hate N-word on TV. And he grew up to speak at rallies. And then he went to college and he didn't tell anyone where he came from or what his past. He would sneak out and call into the white pride radio show he had with his dad because they run a website. And then gradually people started finding out who he was and shunned him in college and so then somebody who ran the local like Jewish organization on campus Shabbat like invited him to a Sabbath dinner and a lot of people didn't go because they were like screw this guy but he went and then he just kept going and then people eventually came back to it and they had dinner with him and he met all these people that he had never even encountered his entire life of different races and Jewish people and he literally never spoke. And I think that is a huge problem here. Absolutely. With a lot of America, he had literally never spoken to and related to someone who wasn't like him. And he eventually evolved his position. I don't know if he where he stands exactly now, but he effectively told his father ultimately that he denounced white nationalism. And completely it just came from talking to other people. That's ultimately that what it like comes him. down to. And that's what yeah. it is so much for, you know, homophobia, racial tension is it's just ignorance in the sense of not actually knowing somebody who is right. like that and I, I was talking to somebody from South Dakota who just moved here recently and he was talking about how obviously it was very heavily Trump and it kind of just came from a place of like complete not innocent ignorance but you just you know you can't really they're not thinking about those issues because they there's maybe nobody that that looks like that or is that in their town and so it, mm-hmm. how can I mean, it is racist, of course, but it's it's like a, it's just ignorance. More. A lot of people don't even realize that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's not like they, they have like actively hateful feelings toward these people. They're just not educated in a way. And I think shows, I think especially like shows, I'm thinking of very special episodes of like Growing Pains or even reruns of like that show, What's Happening. I can think of specific very special episodes of shows or movies like The Help where it was like an episode about racism like Kirk Cameron worked at a convenience store and Dick Van Patten was his manager and then like he spilled some Kirk spilled something and he blamed it on the black co-worker mm. and that's who was like that guy's racist and that's the episode we learned about racism and I think it has painted this 
all of these things that you watch and you feel better watching the racist on that show being like, I'm not like that. I would never be like that. That's really racist. I'm glad I'm evolved. I feel like we've cartoonified the racist mm -hmm. as this sort of like evil, very cartoonish figure. Agreed. And it, it, it makes discussions or even using that word racist yeah. hard because it seems like you're putting a scarlet letter on someone just even saying the R word yeah. and that shuts down the conversation. Yeah. We, we've totally polarized and, and I mean, obviously the parties are, are incredibly extreme now. It's not, you know, fiscal debates that it once was. Now it's it's literally you're a racist or you're a wild liberal. Like it's not. Which right. a lot of it stemmed from this election because of yes. the rhetoric Donald Trump used in his entire campaign mm -hmm. based on. I mean, not even just racism, sexism, xenophobia. I mean, everything he said. Yeah. I'm just like, I can't. I, I've been so quiet for this entire podcast more than usual because like We've noticed. I am so angry and you guys are being so diplomatic that I feel like I can't even. Oh, no, I'm speak. so angry. No, I know. No, I know you guys are yeah. angry, too. Yeah. But I mean, I get I'm so angry, angry that you don't think I'm angry, Allie. <laughs> that like my hands start shaking yeah. and I just like I get. I get really crazy. It really is like Kubler-Ross stages of grief, except I'm really only anger and sadness right now. Mm. <laughs> There's not even any bargaining. Yeah. Definitely not acceptance. Yeah. No. But yeah, it's mostly just anger and sadness. But it cannot. There's no way. I mean, just thinking of actual deaths that I've, and this does feel like a death in some ways, yeah. thinking of actual deaths that I've grieved from, I mean, I know it doesn't last forever, but I don't. it hasn't even started. I know. That's started. the worst part. And I guess the thing that everyone keeps tweeting, which is true, is like, hold on to the idea that this is not normal and don't normalize it mm -hmm. and don't just, you know, I mean, we are all getting on with our jobs, which is really feels so strange to write about non-related things. Yeah. This election really put everything into perspective for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, writing about celebrities. Yeah. And I hope that's the case for everybody. True. Yeah. I hope. And I will say another thing, going back to the issue of celebrities endorsing i mean because we made at popcrush.com we made a 25 supporters celebrity supporters of donald trump and yes. then 25 celebrity supporters of hillary rodham clinton who of which there, that was just 25 of many and then the 25 celebrities for trump were like scott Bayo and <laughs> azalea i'm just talking like this so people will listen to me banks yeah. and i do think i mean i do think there is the knee-jerk thing to say oh they're Hollywood liberals, they're removed from everyday concerns. How dare they espouse their views? And while some celebrities to varying degrees did annoy me in their narcissistic efforts, Lena Dunham, um, I will also offer the counter position that a lot of celebrities, people like Katy Perry, tour the world all the time. Mm -hmm. They've seen things yeah. that I've never seen. They've talked to people in other countries I've never been to. And so, yeah, I do think they have a little bit more perspective just from, yes, I know it's like an elite top tier very curated experience of other parts of the country but they have seen more of the world and i don't know i don't think they're smarter yeah. than the average person at all but i don't think that should be discounted either agreed i don't know i don't think a lot of people really take that into consideration i i you know i think they think they're hollywood brainwashed yeah celebrities i don't think they have that i mean that is a great perspective you don't really think about the fact that they meet tons of people right of like, all kinds of people yeah, yeah. And can I just say, <laughs> just <laughs> the microphone over. No, that because you brought up Katy Perry, that as problematic as she can be, I was really impressed with her mm -hmm. and her efforts uh, around this election. And even more so, I was really impressed. Um, I guess, was it over the weekend that she donated to Planned yeah. Parenthood? Yeah, I, I thought that was great. And I thought that was showing people something tangible you can do. And also, I loved that she uh came out with her story about why she made it relative right and she she humanized it and i hope that her narrative and her story with you know how planned parenthood was important to her and you know why it's so important for so many women and so many people i hope that maybe somewhere out there was read by a young girl who just didn't know what Planned Parenthood was and didn't know why it was so important and I don't know I thought that was really great and I was really impressed by by her kind of helping take the stigma a little bit off of it because I do kind of feel like there are probably a lot of um middle America <laughs> people out there who just don't they just don't know what it is they just hear Planned Parenthood and they think 
baby killers. And I think yeah. that's so tragic because it's just such an amazing organization for so many people. So, yeah, that really impressed me. There's there's baby killers and then there's um the new thing with beyonce which is cop killers and that right that was almost like a foreshadowing of the election uh when she performed at the country music awards the comments uh were incredibly vicious uh and, and there was just this general cop killer mantra which stemmed from the formation video which the alt-right um decided to interpret as anti-police um and and they've run with that and and her performance at the super bowl as well the um, like Black Panthers imagery, mm-hmm. um, and they've totally like made it so much more than than what it was, and and made it aggressive and made it right. violent, um, which it never was. Which is also funny because Beyonce said blatantly that she's not anti-cop, right? Right after that whole thing happened, oh, but absolutely. people don't care. They don't no. want to listen. Hear that. Yeah, no, they've heard the the rhetoric and they've seen the headline on their fake news site, and they've like, <laughs> you know, they've really. This has been ingrained in their brains. So that was almost uh, kind of a foreshadowing of how the election was going to go for me. Because once I saw that that her uh, her way of protesting was interpreted as violent, I was like, oh, then this is the country is in a lot of trouble if this is, you know, being taken as anti-America, anti-cops. And I mean, especially as a black woman doing it. Yeah. I mean, right. the, and who was it? CNN Van Jones said that this was a white lash against mm-hmm. um, eight years of Obama's yes. presidency. And I absolutely believe that. Yeah. Too. I mean, sure. of course it is. And like, I don't think. Paired with misogyny. Right. Yeah. Strongly. Yeah. And I don't think that's combination. discussed enough either. But I, I do think we got gobsmacked by the fact that much of America, again, not all of the voting public, because mm-hmm. she, she did get the majority vote, but. Mm-hmm. But they just weren't ready for to follow a black president with a woman president. Mm-hmm. That just like a sizable chunk of America couldn't wrap their minds around that, which I experienced on the liberal side as well with the Bernie bro friends of mine who you know, and that's great. Less people supported him in the primaries, but then it got very vitriolic when I started publicly supporting Hillary Clinton, and I would get attacked on Facebook by the Bernie and third party voters, and then when I would ask them, this happened several times. I would ask them to name an alternate woman candidate that they feel would be better equipped to run for president. And they could not a single person I asked could name one period, a woman that's 50%, 51% of the American population. I couldn't talk to one person who could name me someone besides Hillary Clinton who could be president of the United States. Mm. We have a lot. (laughs) When I think about that too much, it kind of like knocks me down and I need to lie down. Yeah. I mean, when you when you kind of like take into the the grand scheme and the big picture, it kind of becomes overwhelming, and that's when I have to log off because it just feels like there's so much work to do. That's what the thing that keeps playing in my head is just there's work mm-hmm, to do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's I. Not even, it feels more like it's not even work to me. It's like fighting. Yeah, yeah, fight, I mean, it is, yeah. which is like heavier. It is heavier and worse. Yes, and it's definitely gonna feel heavy for a while, and it's definitely gonna be a lot of fighting and. I mean, I feel like the protests have been super peaceful despite what they're, you know, trying to say on the other side. Um, There's Mm -hmm. plenty of videos of them, you know, shaking hands with cops as they peacefully protest, which is exactly... The police were perfectly fine. Yeah. They were completely fine on Saturday, yeah. Um, And obviously I hope that the rash of racial and and hate crime, you know, reports lessens, but I feel like this is very similar to Brexit, which is what that sparked, like there were weeks of that kind of violence because of that vote where there was sort of like an an unofficial okay to the public Mm -hmm. to act a fool. Preceded by complete complacency. Yes. Same thing. Yes. Brexit was totally the the true... I mean, again, I I have people dismiss me as alarmist when I Facebook status about that, but yeah. yeah, I was hoping Brexit would be a wake-up call, Mm -hmm. but that's that's definitely hoping... (laughs) too much of the american people yeah in fact it was a warning sign (laughs) i mean i answered the phone for a quinnipiac poll the other day and did the whole 15 minute poll which i never thought i would do (laughs) but i was so frustrated it actually felt good to be like yes no i did vote for hillary (laughs) just anger polling yeah absolutely we have to do what we have to do to feel okay right now i suppose 
I wonder how long it'll be before we actually feel okay. <laughs> I genuinely I've, wonder I that. I think that every morning when I wake up, I'm like, wait, it's still terrible. It still feels like a breakup. Yeah. Or yeah. Death. Yep. It really does feel, I felt really stupid because my first thought of this was that it feels like the worst breakup ever because you wake up the next morning and you forget for a second that it happened. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a second, it did. And then I read through our past Slack convo when I hadn't been signed on and Bradley had said the same thing. <laughs> I was like, thank God I'm not alone in this feeling. Yeah, you have to replay it in your head yeah. with ugh, added information every and time. And it's so much worse. Like, right. Yeah. It would be like, I mean, I yeah, or I said like I felt like when my mom died and I would wake up mm-hmm. right after and I would remember like in the morning be like oh my mom's dead right you but briefly. it's like that except also it would be like if my entire facebook feed was like stop being so upset your mom's dead four <laughs> days right. later oh, and then also geez. your mom was oh kind of an asshole anyway right. oh and then God. oh what you need to understand about your mom is you didn't understand your mom read about the rest of your mom yeah it <laughs> this is a very broad insulting. mom america but apparently but yeah my point is it sucks and i don't know when we'll be happier again it does suck. i told does you guys suck. i had a dream the other night that the KKK was outside of my house trying to like storm it and I was gonna it was you. like crystal knocked all over again but an updated version like that is I was gonna tell is... you I had that nightmare last night I'm oh my not god kidding. did you really yeah because also I well I don't want to say exactly where I live but I live in a very politically <laughs> active area I live at <laughs> and there are pro- like protests there often through the year anyway but so I kind of just I think implanted that visual but with the KKK and I was like oh oh god yeah I but I think everyone's having uh, night terrors. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I woke up in a cold sweat from that. Yeah. It was, and I still think, like, I can still see the images in my head pretty clearly. Yeah. So. And I was at the Javits that night, of course, Ugh, expecting yeah. it to be one of the best nights of my Ugh. life. And, of course, it did not work out that way. And I still see that a lot in my head. For How the record, I told you, you not to go. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Everyone yeah. here told me not to go. We all told you not to go. I didn't, but I probably should. But how long did you stay? Uh, a few hours. And then... I was just stupidly keeping up with the New York Times tracker. And then when I saw its first, like, initial descent, I was just like, no, I just, I know mm. which way this is going. I will say that I went to my aunt's house to, who is a very liberal feminist and awesome and taught me good things growing up, but um, went over there for a little celebration and we started off with a bottle of fancy champagne. Mm. And then there was a second bottle of fancy champagne that was supposed to get popped when a certain awesome thing happened that never happened. So it just didn't end well. And I ended up driving home sobbing and went to bed shaking and then woke up and just kind of, it was so weird the next day. Like, didn't you guys just feel like you were in a complete days yes yeah like did you guys feel sick because i yes. was completely yeah. i was yeah. crying most of the day yeah, yeah. same yeah yeah very I mean, deflating fortunately none of us had to be in the office yes, the next day fortunate. because i didn't and i texted bradley first of all i went to my local bar with a bunch of my friends in the neighborhood and then once it became apparent the way things were definitely going i got blackout drunk on whiskey um i do remember going home but then i don't remember falling asleep and then i woke up at 5 a.m and, it, and I was like, maybe it was a dream. And I ran to my phone oh, and then that's I the learned first. it all over that's again. Brutal. And then I I texted Bradley at like 6 a.m. Like, I don't know if I can work today. I really don't know if I, I can, can work today. Say, I know people say like that they thought maybe it was a dream. This is the first time I woke up that morning and I legitimately thought maybe it was a dream. Mm-hmm. I've never actually mm-hmm. had that feeling. I didn't think that. I woke up and I immediately started crying. <laughs> like God. immediately. I, I slept for an hour then. Yeah, yeah, I only slept for about right. two hours. My friend, my best friend who lives downstairs did that. She just stayed up all night. And, although she did go into the city that day and said it was completely quiet, but that Scary. on the train people were, strangers were hugging each other. Yep. Yeah. yeah so I like heard that from my friend. Yeah. Down. Yeah. Totally. The worst, one of the worst parts also for me was just my mom's disappointment because she was so looking, she told me, she was like, I was so looking forward to celebrating our first um, woman president mm-hmm. with you. I had all these images in my head of how it was going to turn out. And then she was just reduced to tears. And, you know, seeing your parents cry is one of the worst. I mean, my mom cries time. at everything. She's very emotional. But this wasn't like crying at a Disney movie. This was just like this really deep sadness. And I was crying, too. So we were just both hysterical. It was it was horrible. And the frustrating part is, and I know this is really sounding like we're self-pitying, it's not being a crybaby that my side lost. I mean, yes, I am decimated again that no one wants or that a lot of America can't cope with the idea of a female president, but it's I was worried for other people. Oh yeah. More than anything else. Yeah. That yeah. is the common sadness is fear if you were part of a group that might be 
really affected by this through legislation. In but which like, case, literally everyone here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's terror on behalf of other people that I love. Well, I want to add that it's a very um, childish perspective to have if you think that the people reacting right now are reacting the way they are because they lost. This is not the Super Bowl. It's not a football game. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I win or lose. This isn't about ego. These are lives um, and values and ideals that, you know, things are different now. And it's, I'm like trying to say this without crying, actually. But it's like, it, it's, this isn't about, oh, your side lost. You're being a crybaby. You're being a sore loser. If that's your perception of what this is, your perception's warped. And maybe that's how you would react, but that's not what this is. So, that's my message for anyone who thinks that we're being crybabies. I was going to okay? say, yeah. am, I, am I unusual <laughs> sort of streak of, like, Twitter militant behavior? I yeah, wrote your that... Twitter's been great. <laughs> I'm loving it. Real I'm loving it. Never, you never tweet. <laughs> I know. That's just Keep a weird something to me. I said, if you can sort of, like, look at a depressed Clinton voter and even conceive of mocking them, then you have never sincerely faced fear or, like, mm-hmm. confronted fear or danger. And I never mocked like you know loser like people who i never mocked john mccain supporters no, no. i yeah, never that's mocked exactly rodney supporters like i never was like ha ha that's it's, absurd yeah. to me no it's just a very different this yeah. is completely different the election was not about basic human decency so yeah. that's, you know, it just went way uh skewed anyway i would like to at least leave <laughs> on the positive note that it, it is very heartening to see all the protesters and the unification of so many different people of all different walks of life, you know, coming together to basically to all say that, you know, this is not okay and that we don't accept it. Um, I, regardless of what happens, I think I've found comfort in seeing people unite for that reason. And I can only, you know, put faith in that. It's that, you know, even though, she lost there are plenty of voices that are not okay with it and you don't feel as alone in that sense and she won the popular vote and two years <laughs> until local elections yes two years that's right sure. not four people yeah people keep saying oh at least it's you know it's four years like no no you can do local elections mm-hmm. you could do obviously the senate's opening up two years like I mean, if the world is even still here in two years. True. Very true. Thank you for ending on that positive note. <laughs> um, all right. I guess we'll, we'll wrap here on the question of our existence. But if we are here, uh, you know, make sure to follow us on Bob Crush. Um, and happy Thanksgiving. Yes. And a uh, very happy Thanksgiving. We will return after Thanksgiving. Next time we'll talk about Gilmore Girls. Next yes. time we'll be talking about Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Girls. And we'll escape into their imaginary town in Connecticut, which is apparently a real town. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Good luck. (laughs) Good night.